This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Hey everybody, this is episode 43. I'm Canyon Clark, here by myself tonight. Um, our normal recording night, everybody else was busy, so I'm kind of getting this thing last minute, but I wanted to get something out because I didn't want to go another four weeks or whatever it was, maybe it was longer than that, without having an episode out. So either way, I think I got a good one for you tonight. I'm going to talk a little bit about saving some food plots now that we're getting a little later into the planting season. If something didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, we'll talk about some options you have for that. And give some updates on what we got going on here, some things we're doing, stuff like that. And then we also have a couple, I keep saying we, I guess I also have a couple questions from guys that got sent in after we recorded the last podcast, which was episode 42. Uh, we did just straight Q&A, so if you guys want to check that out. We did talk a little bit about some other stuff, but most of it was Q&A. We had some good questions sent in that we covered. Uh, I thought it turned out pretty good. So, like I said, I got two questions left over from that I wanted to get answered. And if you guys got questions any other time, send us a message through Facebook or Instagram on the website. Send us an email, whatever. We'll try to get you an answer right away and then cover it on the podcast as well because we like doing that. And it's a reason for doing this is helping guys out. So, and hopefully being a little bit entertaining at times. The first thing is this weekend, the 27th and 28th, is the Deer and Beer Fest up in Bloomington. I guess down in Bloomington, if you're not from where we're at, if you're from north of there, but it's in Bloomington either way at the Interstate Center. We're going to be there in booth number 148, so come by and check it out. I'm not exactly sure who's going to be there. We've had some stuff switched around, so at least I will be there. Maybe one other guy. We'll have to see. It's going to be a last-minute deal, but still going to have some cool stuff from our sponsors, from Racks Big Game Supplements and Grandpa Re Outdoors. We'll do some show specials uh, on pricing for them on some of their products so that'll be good you get an extra discount on that if you stop by and see us we're also going to probably have a announcement about our big buck contest that we're going to do again this year the second annual ridge hunter outdoors big buck contest we'll announce what the prize is going to be got a good one for you guys this year it's going to be kind of tiered like it was last year it won't be exactly the same but that'll be at the show, you'll be able to sign up for it there. Those will be the first uh, entries, and then we will run registration for that next month. So we're going to do it a little bit differently this year. Going to run it through the month of September. It'll be a hard cutoff at the end of September, and then that way everybody will be registered going into the season. Uh, on the next thing I wanted to talk about, give you guys an update on, was the Fry Property Vlog. So we've got some more content coming out soon on that. Last week... I think it was last, well, this past week, I should say. Last week, if you're listening to this on Monday, I got the fall part of that plot planted. So if you've been keeping up with it, we've got some corn there as a screen and some food, obviously. And then we've got beans on part of it. The majority of it is in clover and chicory, which was, well, and some alfalfa, which was just clover and alfalfa until here last week. I did put some chicory in that portion of the plot, too. And then on the Another side of it is our fall portion, which is going to be oats and some rye. We've actually got a blend from Grandpa Ray's in there, the Southern Jubilee. So interested to see how that's going to turn out. We're going to put some oats on top of it as well. And I got that planted. 
everything except the oats. They came in a little bit later, so going to go ahead and broadcast them out probably this week. Uh, it'd be nice if we could get a good rain in. I could do it before that, but we'll give an update when we do that. We'll get some more video and then get uh, kind of a final planting video put out on the Fry Property vlog. And then from there, it'll be, you know, hunting, actually hunting the plot. Maybe we'll go over some trail camera pictures or something we're getting from it. Whatever. As we go on, we'll figure it out and we'll keep that thing updated. So got that going on. Also, uh, we talked about possibly doing some stuff on with Nate's plots, maybe doing a couple videos out there for you guys, just talking about kind of similar to what I'll be talking about tonight, a little bit of what we talked about last week. But what he had going on out there, what he originally planned, where he had to change his plans, what he's got now, what works, what's working, what didn't work, uh, etc. So that'll be good too, I think. We'll go over kind of, I know we've talked about it quite a bit and Nate's explained it quite a bit. So we'll be able to show you guys maybe part of what he's talking about uh, in his plots where he's hunting. And also, I'm going to be doing a bit of a project myself at the cabin. I know you guys have heard us talk about that place. So going to be expanding a couple plots there. One of them is, I don't even know if micro plot would be the word for it, uh, but I'm going to make it a little bit bigger. And then the other one, I'm going to try to push it to around an acre. So we'll see what we can actually get done there, but that's the plan as of right now. And that's going to have to be within the next week or two because it's getting late in the game for planting stuff. But like I said, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So going to have some videos up on it. I don't know if we'll do a whole vlog on that one, we might just, we might do a vlog for that as well. Like we've been doing for the fry property. So that'll be another little series. We'll call it. That'll be on the YouTube channel for you guys. And then as we go on, uh, I talked about it maybe last week or the week before last, going to start doing another kind of, I don't want to call it a spinoff, kind of what it is episode, one more episode per week. Hopefully that one will come out on Fridays. So then we'll have one Monday and Friday just some more content for you guys. And as the season gets rolling, we'll do some more video content. Uh, I'd like to do this video as well, get back to doing video on the podcast. Uh, we kind of did that for a while and stopped doing it. I really just wasn't happy with the quality, video quality we were getting. So you have to wait till we can uh, update or upgrade our camera equipment. And then when we get that done, we'll go back to video on the podcast as well. So it's hard to film three, four guys on a phone we with two guys we can get away with it and it does pretty good picture just filming on the iphone but for four guys it's hard to squeeze everybody in there and then obviously you can't do cuts and stuff like that so the cameras we got working with it just wasn't they're just not the quality i was hoping for on there and i don't want to put anything out that's of poor quality so for right now i think no better no video is better than bad video as far as that's concerned so Hopefully in the future, we'll be able to do that and bring this back to video because I think it's a little more engaging, especially for you guys who listen on YouTube. I know it kind of sucks to just have a picture on there and you can't set the phone down and lock it and still listen to it. Uh, but an alternative, we do have, we do put this out on Spotify and the Apple podcast and it's on our website as well. Now, I assume the website's the same way as YouTube. I've never actually tried it on mobile to lock it and see if it still plays, but I, I got to figure it's the same way as YouTube where if you lock the phone, it won't play anymore. But you do have the other two options as well with Spotify and Apple Podcasts where you can go find us there. Uh, even if you have you know Spotify for free, you could find us and listen to it on there. You might just have to deal with some ads or something. But that said, I want to move into kind of what I had planned to talk about tonight with the other guys. I'll try to cover it, at least from my perspective and some experiences that I've had with it. 
and just talking to other guys as well, uh, not only on client properties, but, you know, guys I know that hunt and do their own food plots and then stuff that we've done as well on all of ours. So really the topic is saving a food plot that either didn't turn out quite like you wanted it to, uh, it got washed out, it got dried out, stuff didn't come up, you got weeds that overtook it maybe because you planted it a little too early, things of that nature. So maybe you didn't have enough sunlight that you thought you were going to have and you're not getting throughout the whole plot, you're not getting the, the growth that you thought you would see. Whatever the case may be, if your food plot's not as good as you planned on it being, you do still have some options. Uh, this is coming out on the 22nd of August, so it's still really not too late to do a lot of things, but it is late enough that if you planted kind of towards the early part of the season, you're going to be able to tell how well those food plots are going to do, at least in our area where we've had some rain, and even, you know, south of here, I know they've had quite a bit of rain, and areas like that, you should be able to tell whether or not, what you're going to have. So if it's a bad situation, like I said, there's still some things you can do. Even if this is, we're talking, you know, into, getting into September, if you're planting now and you decide that it's not what it wants to be, this stuff is still applicable, especially the first part of it, which is winter wheat and winter rye. Those two things are huge when it, for me when it comes to saving food plots. Um, winter wheat's a little cheaper, generally. Now, this year I know, depending on where you go, it can be hard to find. We looked, I tried to get some onless winter wheat, which is what we prefer because the deer will come in the next spring and eat that too after it seeds out. Um, the regular stuff like the hard winter wheat, they don't necessarily like that as much. They still will eat it when it's young though, so it's a good option for the fall. Just don't necessarily have the spring food source as well. So, but if you can get your hands on some wheat, like I said, we had trouble finding the onless stuff, but any wheat you can get your hands on, you can go in, broadcast that stuff uh, at a pretty high rate whatever you're comfortable with, you know, anywhere from 20 to 40 pounds, just depending on uh, how you're broadcasting on, I guess, and, and where you're at and how you feel about it. It's almost a preference thing, how much coverage you want, what you feel good about. I've done both sides of that spectrum and had pretty good results either way. I generally do go a little heavier, but, you know, it's if you can push 40 pounds of seed for an acre and a half, then that's perfect. If that's what you can get your hands on and that's what you got to work with, it'll do just fine. Um, and then the winter rye as well, same way. Like I said, it's generally a little more expensive, although I'm not exactly sure where it's at right now. That stuff you can go in and broadcast, you know, late into the season. And then say your brassica plot failed or your clover has gone dormant or the deer have ate it down to nothing, you can still go in and put that stuff on. Um, Actually, a couple years ago, I had some. I had to look it up on our Facebook page, but from October 18th, we went in at the cabin, actually, and the clover plot that I had put in there, the deer had just ate it down to nothing, and it got late in the year, and it didn't end up coming back. It just went dormant. They ate it down, basically mowed it down, almost to dirt. So... I decided I needed to do something in that spot, so I went in, like I said, October 18th and broadcasted wheat and rye. Obviously, I did it in the middle of the day where I wasn't affecting any of the year and running them off, um, but you know the benefits outweighed the risk to me at that point. Broadcasted that stuff, and by the end of the month, I had a pretty good stand, and especially through the month of November, 
Um, I had deer coming in there and feeding on a almost a nightly basis, at least with the does, feeding in that wheat. And uh, I did broadcast some clover in it as well. Now, the clover didn't come up because it was just too late for that. I think it had got, uh, the temperatures weren't where they needed to be for the clover at that point. But the next spring, the clover really came up. What was what the deer had ate came back. What I had broadcast out there with the wheat finally germinated and came up as well. So I had a really good stand of clover underneath that wheat. And then as it got later in the summer, I just mowed the wheat and I had a good stand of clover through the rest of the summer. And then eventually ended up turning that into a brassica plot for the fall. But for that year, planting on October 18th, saving a food plot that had been eaten down to nothing, uh, I had no complaints about it. Uh, that wheat really did the job, and then the clover, like I said, the next year came up strong. So that was a, I think that's a really good option uh, for that particular situation. Um, and like I said, right now, it's still not even too late for to plant brassica. So if you're doing this within the next week or even two weeks, uh, depending on what the weather's going to be like. And that's a big thing, too. If you can wait for a rain to come in where you know it's going to have some moisture, that's a good idea to do that as well. And, you know, like we talked to John O'Brien from Grandpa Ray's a couple episodes ago, he talked about a lot of guys planting brassicas too early. And then they mature even before season or really early on in the season, and you just don't have that much attractiveness to the deer when you really want it there in, like, November. So if you plant them a little later, it's not the worst thing in the world as long as you can get them to come up. And, they, you know, they grow pretty quick. That's kind of the benefit of doing that stuff in the fall. But for the next week, two weeks even, you can still plant some of that stuff and give it another second chance. Now, if it doesn't turn out this time, then you might have to go to the wheat or the rye or a combination of the two and do that to save your plot and give you something out there. The, the best thing in my mind about those two is they handle a ton of browsing pressure and they keep growing back. So the deer can eat them down, but it's just like grass in your yard. It's going to grow back again and keep uh, regenerating and coming back up. So you have a pretty good food source there, a good green food source throughout the winter. And that stuff stays green, you know, obviously all through the winter and then grows up in, in the spring. And it gives you a, a good seed bed to plant in the next spring too. So say you got a plot that you wanted to put something in this fall, didn't work out, or maybe you just haven't planted it yet, and you're thinking you might want to do some grain in it next spring, uh, even some clover if you want to switch it over to that. Even if you're just going to do it in brassicas again next fall, that winter wheat is a really good option as a cover crop. Throw it out there. It has the attractiveness to the deer for this fall. It'll give you a good food source. And then next spring, you can go in there if you're doing clover or grains and plant right into that, especially beans. You can plant right into that wheat. And then you can mow the wheat. You could spray it and let that, whatever you planted in there, come up underneath of it. It's going to get keep the weeds down for you so you don't have to worry about that as much, especially if you're not turning any dirt on it. If you've got some way to no-till the beans in there, if you're doing that, obviously you can just broadcast the clover into it. So it's really great for that. You spray that stuff down. It's just like the buckwheat system where... You know, you broadcast into that, roll it, spray it, mow it, whatever, and then it's essentially like straw on a new yard, holding that moisture in, giving it a good good seed bed for that clover in this in this situation if we're talking about the springtime. And then you'll have a lot more clover and a lot less weeds because the wheat's taking care of that. That's why a big reason why farmers use it for a cover crop. Uh, you can use it kind of the same way. It's really good for that as well. 
Or, you know, like I, I was just talking about, go ahead and throw that clover in the mix in the fall, and it'll lay there and wait until the next spring to germinate and come up, and then you'll have a head start on that as well. And if you decide you need more of it, go in there and throw it out in the spring or uh, frost eat it as well. So gives you not only a good source for the immediate future, but it'll give you a head start on next year as well. So in my mind, that's one of the best options if you if your food plots didn't turn out this fall like you wanted, or if you had clover out there this spring and the deer have just ate it down, or if it's gone dormant because it's been so dry wherever you're at. Obviously, that's not been the case around here, but I'm sure there are some areas where that's been an issue. So those are just my kind of kind of my thoughts that I had put together on that as far as saving some food plots. So I did want to get some time for these two guys' questions here. Um, and they were submitted through the Facebook. I'll try to start posting more posts on the nights we're going to record, um, asking for questions, just so you guys maybe have a better outlet for that or a way to give it to us instead of having to search us out and go through sending us a message through Facebook or something if if you see the post just pop up on your feed. Uh, and if you're not following us, go ahead and do that on, on Facebook and Instagram, at Ridge Hunter Outdoors on Facebook and at Ridge Hunter OD on Instagram. And then you'll see all that stuff when it comes up. Generally try to post a lot of content about kind of what we're doing on client properties. We'll do hunting updates during the season. So like what we're seeing, what's going on, if we're having some success, if we're not, um, rut activity, keep you updated on that here, at least for our area. And that's a good way to keep up with us there. Any announcements we have, like the big buck contest, that'll be on there, um, the beginning of next week so the link to register will be on there obviously we will announce it here too but go follow us on our socials and that's the really the best way to keep up with this and uh the, as far as the podcast goes as well you know if you follow us on spotify or subscribe on youtube that's perfect too so you'll get those notifications when stuff does come out but we also always post it on the facebook page too so you'll be able to keep up with that even if you miss out on a notification from one of the other sites but that said, I do have a couple other questions from a couple guys. And the first one I thought was interesting, and I wanted to expand on it a little bit. Uh, he asked, how does someone with physical disabilities disabilities go hunting if they are a bow hunter? So he's he explained a little bit in the comments that he was talking about, particularly, I believe it was a shoulder issue with him. So... I wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit and add some other disabilities into that, physical disabilities. The hunting is, I feel like we've made it, tried to make it really accessible, and there are a lot of groups out there who try to make it really accessible, and that's good for the sport in general to get more people out there doing it, uh, not limiting people to their physical capabilities to get out there and hunt, especially as far as like the shoulder issues where if you want to continue to bow hunt and you don't want to limit yourself to like here in Illinois, six or nine days a year, six days a year, I think to shoot a buck with a shotgun or they'll have that rifle coming out this year, uh, gun hunting in general at most nine days or something like that. Uh, maybe it's 10, nine, 10 days, whatever the gun season is very short compared to the bow season. Let's just put it that way. Bow hunting obviously gives you a lot more opportunities throughout the year. October to January, middle of January every year, with minus those 10 days or whatever it is for the gun season, you can get out there and bow hunt. So 
you're gonna have a lot more chances of that big buck. Now you might be thinking like along like this guy, if you've got those disabilities and you're not capable of uh, drawing back a bow and shooting a deer, you know, what are your options? And the first one that came to mind to me was the crossbow. Used to, you had to have a special permit to even hunt with a crossbow in Illinois. It was that way for a lot of years. I can even remember that, you know, growing up. If a guy hunted with a crossbow, he had to have a specific reason that he couldn't hunt with a regular compound bow or a traditional bow, you know, recurve, something like that. Now, and it's been fairly recently, actually, that they've made it to where anybody can hunt with a crossbow regardless of whether you have disability or not. So it's it's become much more accessible to younger people. And then if now you don't have to jump through the hoops of going and getting that special permit. If you do have a disability, it's made it easier for them as well because they can just go pick up a crossbow and not have to worry about it. So to me, that's the biggest one if you have a, a you know shoulder issues or elbow issues or whatever, something that's limiting you from using a traditional bow, a compound bow. And the crossbows they're making nowadays, uh, like Jeff, you know him from here, he hunts with a center point which is Raven's budget bow, we'll call it, their price point bow, made by the same people. It's a great little bow, you know, around 300, 400 bucks for a crossbow that's shooting almost 400 feet a second with some pretty considerable uh, kinetic energy. Now, he has to use a pull rope with that particular bow. I believe you can spend an extra 100, 150 bucks, and now we're talking... You know, 400 to 550, we'll call that range. 450 to 550, you can get one with a crank. They make some pretty sweet crossbow cranks out there where if you're so limited that you can't use the pull rope even on your crossbow, and you can get one with a crank, and it's just like using a fishing reel and get that thing going. Uh, There's just so many options now, and budget doesn't isn't as big of a limitation as it probably used to be with crossbows because there's such a wide spectrum you can spend like i said anywhere from 300 bucks to three thousand dollars 3500 bucks on a crossbow so if you've got the means to do that then shoot you can get the cadillac of crossbows and you know with the cranks they got on them they'll practically draw themselves i mean that's that's the biggest thing you're going to notice aside from some features and maybe a little bit of shootability but the biggest on the cranks is the lower price points you're still going to have to crank it um you know it's going to be i don't want to say difficult but you're going to notice a little more pull than on some of the more expensive ones the nicer ones like 10 point makes a really nice cross uh really nice crank system i believe it i don't want to say it wrong but i think theirs might be the accudraw i can't remember 100 percent, but some of them are built in some of them are attachments uh there's different options out there depending on your budget so and I think that one of the bigger things with the crossbow as well is there used to be this stigma about it, and Jeff actually talked about it on in a comment back to this guy who asked the question. You know, he was one of those guys that said, ah, never hunt with a crossbow. You know, that's, that's just not for me. I'm not going to do that. It's cheating and all this and that. Uh, and that was, a you know, and I think it probably still is in some circles. A belief about crossbows is like it's cheating or it's a sissy way to do things, for lack of a better word. But you got to just get over that stuff uh, and not worry what other people are thinking, man. If you love hunting and you need to get out there and if you want to get out there and do it and that's your way to do it, then go do it, man. Even if it's even if you don't have a disability and you want to use a crossbow, 
Practice with the thing. Get proficient with it. Don't just go out there slinging arrows because it's like a gun. Be fair to the game, but practice with it. Become proficient and go use it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And if somebody wants to say something about it, just ignore them and move on. And most people that are going to say anything about it are on social media anyway. And you just got to ignore those people. It's not worth the time to fight with them and argue with them or let them get to you. So that's the biggest thing that came to my mind, especially in that particular situation, was using a crossbow. Um, it just makes it so much more accessible for people. And I think it's really a great thing. I, th- I think they should have done that, changed the law on that a long time ago where more people could use them. I think they got more kids into hunting. I think it has brought more kids into hunting, more older people as well. Because before, if you just got to the point in your life where you weren't physically strong enough to draw back a compound bow anymore, I'm not sure how easy it would have been to get the permit to use a crossbow. So you do have that option now, even in that situation. The other thing, like I said, I wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit uh, as far as disabilities go. You know, if you have trouble with your legs, walking and all that. Nothing says you got to walk 500 yards to your stand and climb up in a tree. You can use ground blinds nowadays. Uh, have someone drop you off. They've got electric buggies now and bikes and whatever else, uh, especially the buggies. You know, like if you've got trouble walking very far or climbing, anything like that, those kind of disabilities, you can have someone bring you in. Now, you might have to go in a little earlier than normal, but drop you off on a ground blind over say a food plot that might be another thing you think about is if i can't go as far now i'm gonna have to do something to bring the deer into me where i can get to them so you might have to figure out a way to get that make that happen Uh, that's just another option you don't have to necessarily if you've got a good spot but a ground blind would be a great option for that guys that can't climb a tree and that could be a lot of things you know arms upper body lower body whatever and you can do it that way uh there's a lot of platform stands even now, like the platform blinds they have. You can build a really easy grade stairs on there. If you got trouble with stairs, you could build some kind of ramp system, have someone help you build a ramp system for that and and still be elevated and get that experience with it. Obviously, that costs money. It's a little more expensive than the ground blinds. You can get a good ground blind for 100 bucks, maybe less than 100 bucks now. And that's an option for you, you know. Especially in the case if you're just wanting to get out there and hunt. Now, some of these ways you might not have the best opportunity at killing a 180-inch deer, but you might have to manage your expectations a little bit. If you really love hunting, and that's why you're out there to do it, and you're looking for a way that you can still go out there and pursue that, what makes you happy being in the woods, do it for that instead of that huge trophy buck, and you're still going to have plenty of opportunity to kill good deer and you know get out there and hunt and do what you love with those options you know and i'm sure there's more out there shoot it was it's been several years ago now that i believe it was on the outdoor channel they had a uh, some kind of program where they were taking disabled people hunting and introducing them to the outdoors and they had a blind kid on there and they got a permit for wherever it was um an special exception or whatever they called it at the time. And they got this kid a crossbow and they put a laser system on it. And I want to say it was in Texas. They took him to a pretty nice ranch where they're, you know, have a decent shot at some good deer and got the kid out there and lined his sights up with that laser 
and he killed a nice deer, man. So we got to get out there and enjoy the outdoors. Obviously, that's a little different than what it would be for us, but he still gets to go out there and enjoy that. And that's just, you know, they do a lot of stuff like that for veterans. They've got some really cool wheelchair systems out there now. Like, shoot, some of them look like a tank with the tracks they got on them and everything. So you can get out there and do that a little more independently even. Again, obviously that costs money. But if you've got it, that's a way to do it. There's so many options now, I think, for people who are disabled. The biggest limitation to me would be the the budget part of it on some of that stuff. But even if you're on a strict budget, like I talked about at the start of this uh, question, the crossbows now that they make, super affordable. If you're going to spend the money on hunting anyway, you've got over three, 400 bucks in hunting. So instead of just throwing that stuff away because you can't pull back a bow anymore, spend another few hundred bucks and get you a crossbow. Spend you another hundred bucks and get a crank if you need it. And, you know, if it's a blind situation, but, you know, spend a hundred bucks on a ground blind and go do that. Get you a nice comfy lawn chair in there and a crossbow if you got to, you know, do that. And then you can still get out there and hunt. And I think that's the important thing. And that's what this guy was getting at. So hopefully that answers that question. And maybe some more that might have come off of it. The other question that the, a guy had sent in from this week, he says, what's the best advice for an out-of-state hunter hunting for the first 10 days of November on vacation on public land with no contacts in the area? Thanks and God bless. So, the biggest resource and from someone who's hunted out-of-state on public ground the biggest resource for me is overhead maps, whether that be Google Earth, Google Maps with the satellite imagery, uh, Hunt Maps or Hunt Stand. I believe it's called Hunt Stand. We use that some. Uh, and the biggest one, in my opinion, is on X. You see a lot of, like the hunting public guys, for example, take those guys. It's in their name. They hunt almost exclusively on public land. They use that thing every day. I used it every day when I was hunting out of state. When I hunt out of state, I use it. You can spend $30 a year, I believe, is the first subscription level and get one state where you can do offline maps. So you can download a certain square mile area. I think they have five and 10 maybe. And then you can use it even if you don't have service on your phone. You can get property information so you know where the boundaries are the lines for public ground that split public and private. And then not only that, uh, you know, you can use those, the property owner information to maybe go knock on some doors, figure out a lot of times it'll have some kind of address, mailing address, physical address. You can get a hold of these people if you find somewhere that looks like you might want to hunt it uh, out of state, wherever that may be. You can get a hold, it gives you a way to get a hold of those people and ask for permission. And you might find some permission ground. Now, it's going to be hit or miss. Some people will just flat out tell you no. Some people will tell everyone yes. So then it's basically like hunting on public ground. We just I just talked to a guy about that tonight. We had that conversation about some permission ground he's hunting, and so was everybody else. So it was essentially public ground anyway. So you're going to be leery of that. Uh, but if you do some scouting, figure out what's going on, you might be able to find some permission ground that turns out to be some of your best hunting ground and better than being on public if you happen to be the only guy out there. And those are questions you can ask, too. Ask of the property owner. You know, say, hey, I'm from out of state. Here's the situation. Would you mind if I come in and, and hunt the property? You know, I'll take care of things. I won't, I'll leave it 
the way I found it. You know, I'm not going to leave any stands on you or anything. Uh, if you don't want that, I won't do any climbing of trees if you don't want that. Whatever they want, you know, make it easy on them. Get that in writing that you have permission to be there. Uh, and then ask them, you know, you can ask them beforehand too, you know, like, is there anybody else hunting this? That's that's the first question I would lead with probably. You know, you can intro- introduce yourself, kind of start creating that relationship. Tell them you'd be interested in hunting if there was nobody else hunting it, you know, and they may tell you that, yeah, you know, we got some other out of state guys who hunt it, but they only come in on such and such weekends, such and such weekdays. So that might be an option for you as well. Uh, you want to, in that situation, I think I would get a hold of the other guys that are hunting it too, because you don't want any bad blood there. Uh, you can use your imagination all the ways that could get ugly. But figure out, get the information you need. Uh, Onyx is a great way to do that, to get, you know, open that door to where you can contact those people and even get that process rolling. So you might find stumble into some pretty good permission ground just by doing a little legwork on that. The other thing I really like about Onyx is I mentioned that you can download the offline maps so you don't even have to have service. Uh, Your GPS will still work so you can see where you're at. And you can download that radius, whatever it is, 5 or 10 square miles, uh, whichever one. I think those are the two options last time I used it. And then you can see... When you don't have service, where you're at exactly in that area. And if you're crossing over boundaries, how close you are to them. And then you can also use it for seeing terrain features, which is a big one. You know, find those transition zones on those maps where you can see a difference in vegetation. Almost like a fence line, kind of. Um, Some of the ground that I've hunted public before, you know, if you can find that spot where it goes from hardwoods to a thicket hunt on that transition line where it transitions from the hardwoods to the thicket stuff, the brush and all that. That's going to be a natural edge that those deer are going to travel on. Uh, Possible bedding areas, which that thicket, for example, again, would be a good potential bedding area. You know, pine thickets, cedar trees, those are generally pretty easy to see on a map. You can use the topo to find slopes and stuff like that, so you might find the right hillside that they want to be betting on. If you can find a cedar thicket on a hillside, man, go check that thing out. Uh, Preseason scouting is going to have a lot to do with this as well. Obviously, you want to get your boots on the ground. If you can't make two trips up here, the map's going to be big, but if you can make a trip before the season, that, that intel is invaluable. Find the spots you want to look at on the map, and then especially like with Onyx, you can go in there and look at those spots and then mark what you found. So bedding area here, buck bedding area in this location, mark it with a marker on there. You can put exactly, I mean, it'll be that exact spot and you can put in the information that you found and then you can go back to it when you do come back during the season. That's another big thing about Onyx and you can do that offline as well and it'll save it all right there for you. So use it to not only to scout from above, but then to hone in on those areas to save time if you can get up to where up here, if you're, I always say up here, if you can get here from wherever you're at to hunt, I mean to scout, sorry, then you're going to save time doing that because you've already done that uh, pre-scouting, we'll call it on the, on the Onyx map. And you've got those areas figured out where, okay, I need to go check this out because it looks like a cedar thicket on a good slope where those deer might be bedding. And then you'll be able to tell and save some time so you're not walking a whole 200, 400 acres of public ground or 500, whatever it is. 
you can just go check those specific spots. And then if you don't find anything you're there you like, move on to the next one and mark it. Mark that spot as a bad one or, you know, something maybe potentially to check out if, if the other places you go aren't working. Maybe it'll get better in the fall. You can mark it like that. That's a big way I would use that. Uh, waterways, generally they can be found on there. Watering holes, little ponds. You can use it to find those. Uh, during the rut, a lot of people overlook it. They think about just when the weather's hot, the deer have to drink. Uh, you know, deer, just like people need water, so they have to drink all the time. Those midday rut hunts around water produce a lot of big bucks. They're out there rutting all day, chasing does, and getting dehydrated. They know where their watering holes are at from the summertime. They might use different ones in the fall. If you can come across one of those, get some information on it, sit over it, you know, a midday hunt. I mean, that, that can be pretty good during the rut, especially if that's when you're hunting, that, which is when this guy's talking about hunting those first 10 days. So the pinch points as well, inside corners, those are always a big one. If you can find any obvious ones of those. And, you know, like I said, those are generally pretty obvious. So all this stuff that I'm talking about, you have to assume that the other public land hunters are looking at as well, which is where the preseason scouting comes in because you're going to find some things that you can't see on a map and you might uncover some pretty good spots that you didn't think were there just by looking at the map. So it's a really great starting point and it's a really great option if you can't get to the place you're going to hunt before you make the trip to hunt it. But if you can do that, man, that's the biggest thing. And I think that's probably the best advice I could give someone for hunting out of state for that time of year specifically on public ground with no contacts and then finding a place to stay a lot of places you can camp on site you could sleep sleep in your truck if you have to um, find a hotel generally around here there's a hotel within 30 miles of about everywhere now, there's some places down in the deep south of illinois and in the middle of the state where you can drive quite a while without finding a hotel but usually you're within an hour at least of finding somewhere decent to stay and have food around as well. So that's normally not a big issue, like say it would be out west, for example, or in other parts of the country. So that's not something I'd necessarily be concerned about. But hopefully that helps out with that question as well. Uh, that's pretty much all I had for tonight. So like I said, hopefully those were helpful answers to those questions and some helpful information if you're having issues with your food plots from earlier this year that you planted in the spring or earlier this fall even. And when we did talk about, you know, planting some of that stuff, if you guys want to support this podcast, a good way to do that is to go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use discount code RHOPODCAST, all lowercase, and get 5% off your order. If you don't know about Grandpa Ray Outdoors, you haven't been listening to this podcast very often, at least not the whole thing. They specialize in providing the best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. They were started in 2015, but John, who I talked about earlier, who we had on the podcast a few episodes ago, has been in the seed and nutrition business since 1991, which was before I was born and before, I'm assuming, several of you were born as well. So the guy's been in it a long time. He knows his stuff. And if you need proof of that, go back and listen to the episode he was on. They've got over 14 different food plot blends to choose from. You won't have any trouble finding what you're looking for. Uh, they've got fall and spring blends, corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits. Uh, you name it. And when it comes to food plotting, they've got it for you. They're just about selling their products, though. 
if you've got questions about what would be best for your property, um, ask them. They've got the answers for you there too. Like I said, John's a knowledgeable guy. His whole team up there is knowledgeable. They're going to give you the information you need specific to your property so you can achieve the best results possible. Like us, John and his team don't believe in a cookie-cutter approach to wildlife nutrition. They'll treat you and your situation individually. So they're not going to tell you the same thing they would someone in Oklahoma, what to plant, when to plant it, and all that. They will take your situation on a you know, property-by-property basis. They aren't about a fancy label or package either. They're about good quality seed and taking care of their clients. We've used their blends on properties in the past, client properties, and our properties, and it's been as good as advertised. I've always been impressed with the seed that he sends out. That's why we're going to continue to use their seed, and that's why we've partnered with them on the podcast. So, to support us, again, that discount code is RHOPodcast at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com, and you'll get 5% off your entire order. Another way you can support Rack's Big Game Supplements. If you're in a state where it's legal to use them, you can go to Rack's Big Game Supplements. I'm sorry, RacksMineral.com. Can't believe I screwed that up. I say this every week. RacksMineral.com and use discount code RHO22. That's capital RHO22 at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order there. You can also stop by our shop and see what we got in stock or make an order for what we don't so you can save some money on shipping there. Stop in the shop here in town. They've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. They're a veteran-owned company. They're actually based in northeast Nebraska. They're deer hunters just like us. All you guys listening to this, just like us here at Ridge Hunters, they just weren't happy with what was on the market at the time when it came to minerals and feed. So they developed their own products. Through years of research, they came up with one of the best mixes available that will help improve your herd's overall health and not feed target species like raccoons which we have issues with around here, especially if you're feeding. Anybody who turkey hunts knows that raccoons are a big issue around here. So if you're feeding your deer, you want to be feeding them as well. So go check out Rack's Big Game Supplements at racksmineral.com. That's R-A-K-S mineral.com. Use discount code RHO22 at checkout and get 5% off your order there. Other ways to support, go to ridgehunteroutdoors.com. We've got apparel. We've got food plot seed, deer scents, Natural deer scents. We've got boot spray, tarsal spray from bucks and does. We've got the deer calming spray, which Nate saw that stuff work firsthand. He was one of the guys I let test it out, and he saw that stuff work firsthand and is a big believer in it. And we are too, obviously. Scents aren't the end-all, beat-all, but they are an advantage that you can use if you use them the right way. There's no magic cover scent either, so the boot spray and even the calming spray, they're not magic. You still have to be smart about what you're doing out there, but why not give yourself every advantage you can? The deer have enough advantages, enough things going for them. They're out there all the time. They're built for surviving in the wild, so we need all the help we can get. Use that stuff to help you out this fall, killing that big mature buck that's on your hit list. We've also got products here in the store in town next to the locker so if you need anything we're a little bit bare shelved right now just because the planting season's got over but we still have stuff for the season we've got a little bit archy stuff in the shop but you can support us through that and like i said through the website go on there and find something you like and you can also check the podcast out on the website so you can do that leave us a comment send us a message whatever you think about it the other ways to support follow us on instagram at ridge hunter od on facebook at ridge hunter outdoors we do have a twitter but i don't use it very often it's at Ridge Hunter OD as well. 
So you can all go do that. Subscribe if you're listening to this on YouTube. If you're not, go subscribe anyway. You'll get all our other content as well. Like I said earlier, we're going to have some more videos coming out this fall. Probably won't do any like actual hunting videos. We might do some here and there, but it won't be anything, I wouldn't say consistent on that. Just with everything we all else we have going on, we're not at a point where we can do that yet. That is something that we might look into doing in the future, but we'll have to see how that goes. So I'm not going to promise anything on that, but we will have content, hunting strategy content. Like I said, that other the other weekly episode will be coming up soon, as soon as I get everything lined out for that. And you'll be able to catch all that stuff there. So subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify. I think there's a follow button on Apple Podcasts if you're into that stuff. You can leave us a review on any of those. Five stars, no stars, whatever you think. If you like us, if you don't, if you're somewhere in the middle, leave us two or three stars. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. What What do you want to hear from us? What do you not like? What do you What do you like about the podcast? What would you like more of? What would you like less of? We all we'll take that into consideration. I appreciate all of you who do give us feedback. And you can do that through email, too. Same way with the questions. RidgeHunterOutdoors at gmail.com is a good way to get a hold of us. If you want to do that. So, go support us. We'll try to keep making this thing better. That's one way we're going to be able to get better audio all the time. Working on some stuff right now as far as that. And better video. Helping us get some better cameras in here like I was talking about earlier. So we can go back to doing some video podcasts. And making the other videos better for you as well. So, if you like what we're doing, that's all the ways you can support us. And even just by listening. Every time you click on it and listen, that's much appreciated. That's a good way to support us as well. So, thanks for staying with us all out there. And we will catch you guys again next Monday.